Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of the Last Chance Podcast. Andrew here, Ricky over there. Um, Hello. He says hi. Hi, Ricky. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's Wednesday. The Devils defeated the Seattle Kraken last night, four to two. It was a pretty eventful game. Um, I was in a, in attendance, had my pregame dinner with with Mr. Chico Resch again. Um, what a guy! I rushed home from jujitsu again. <laughs> Did you get there for puck drop at least? Yes, I made it. I walked in the door at like seven oh one and made it in for like right as the puck dropped. So I can just picture you yelling uh, on the side of the the, ju- <laughs> the jujitsu uh, class of like let's learn, let's wrap this up. <laughs> no, it ends at six forty five, but she's like, I want to do a little extra training. I'm like, all right, you got five minutes. So I was like, come on, let's go. We gotta go. <laughs> extra training. Um, yeah, so no, this week is a great week for the podcast. We have uh, the radio voice of the Devils, Matt Lachlan, coming up in a couple minutes. Uh, very excited, very excited. Yeah, it was great to talk to him. We asked him about the season so far, uh, predictions for the future, some of the young kids, and uh, also got into his uh, podcast covering Seton Hall, uh, basketball, Rutgers football, and some things he likes to do at home. Um in his non-Devil's time, and uh, that's coming up in, a, in, a, in about 10 minutes. But um, Devils are 2-0, and and since we're not allowed to be happy, uh, Jack Hughes was injured last night. Um, Can't have anything nice. No, and, and just when it happened, I, I just said to myself, like, here we go. Like, we got a game and a half of having fun. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. But... No, I just feel bad for Jack because a lot was said about uh, him coming into the season, that he's going to be a breakout star and that he was so confident in, in the media stuff he was doing. And, and you just saw how upset he was going down the tunnel. And, you know, we, we can only read so much into Lindy Ruff saying that it's day to day and we got to wait for more updates. But I really hope he doesn't miss more than a week or two. Yeah, it'd be very sad. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think they can... Obviously, it's a huge hole in the lineup, but I think they can, you know, piecemeal it together for a week. Um, I don't know who they call up. I don't think they're going to call. If it's a short-term thing, they're not going to call Holtz up and disturb what he's got going on down there. Uh, I don't know who they call up in his place. Maybe move Zaka back to center. And Well, they had Igor taking a lot of uh, face-offs last night, so um, yeah. it could be. I would honestly take it as a good sign if the only change that's made without Jack tomorrow night against the Capitals is student each gets back in the lineup and Igor or Zaka goes back to center because um, I, I would think it's they a short term fix. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would think they would bring someone up from Albany, Albany, Jesus, Albany, Binghamton, <laughs> Utica. Utica. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, if it was a long-term thing, I think they would do that. But uh, Hey, my doorbell's ringing. I'm busy. That was your doorbell. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't even well, it could be maybe Amazon like playing a flute. <laughs> it sounds like a recorder uh, <laughs> from third grade. Um, but anyway, no, I, I we have to wait to see what's going on with Jack. But last night there was a lot to like uh, Dawson Mercer's first NHL goal, which was preceded by just an awesome breakout pass by Ryan Graves, followed by some sweet sauce from uh, maybe some tartar sauce. See what you did there. Terrible. See what you did there. Um, but no, but it was great for Mercer to get that first NHL goal right in front of his parents, who are still here, and his I think his sister and his family. So um, yeah, I mean, and it was a beauty too. It's like you know, some guys you get like 
you know, oh, I tip one in or when I forget who it was. Somebody scored one a couple of years ago, went off their ass and into the net. Like, it's like, all right, it still counts, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, you know, on one knee sliding, uh, it was, you know, you couldn't ask for a better first goal. Hey, what do you think about that, that little thing, uh, trend that's going on? Uh, October 19th, 2017, Nico Heischer's first NHL goal. October yep. 17th, 2000, it was 17 for Heischer, 19 for Jack Hughes on the same date. October 19th, uh, 2021, Dawson Mercer. I mean, that's pretty crazy. I hope we don't have to wait until uh, 2022, October 19th, for Holtz's first goal, because I'll be sad. No, I think that's going to come this season. <laughs> and, and we'll get into that with Matty. Uh, we, we did ask him how long uh, until we get to see Alex Holtz back up in, in the NHL. Um, but, I mean, speaking of Holtz, he, he was unbelievable against Rochester on uh, it was Sunday. Both of his goals. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's not much else you can. I mean, it's everything you would have possibly hoped for for his debut. Well, there's I, nothing you, nothing more you could. I, I guess you could ask for a hat trick, but I mean, <laughs> you got to see his one time around the power play. You got to see his hands uh, in close with that uh, the first goal. I mean, there's not. It's exactly what you were looking for. And I think that's exactly what Tom Fitzgerald wanted when he sent him down to Utica. Um, he probably told him, Alex, you're almost there. Uh, if there was another roster spot available, it's yours. But, you know, we need you to get down all uh, – I almost said Albany again. Utica and, <laughs> and and eat up a lot of minutes. And, and, you know, you never know how a guy's going to react. He could be thinking, I played well enough to make this team and, and they don't believe me. And then he could have been depressed. And, no, he went down there and had a monster of a game – and he just looks so fired up, and I bet you Fitzy and 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 Coach Ruff were just unbelievably happy with with how that's working out so far. Well, look what happened with Kravtsov. He was sent down, and he didn't react the same way at all. No. He, he pout. Yeah, he. I mean, there's obviously some more stuff going on there that sounds less than fortunate. But um, yeah, I mean, he could have taken it the wrong way and been like, you know, screw these guys. They don't know what they're talking about. But he. He went the right way. No, and something I was hearing about Kratzoff is that he was uh, told that, you know, that he was going to be a big part of this team, uh, the Rangers team, that he's going to get a certain number of minutes and, and what they were looking forward to. And then I think the sending down came out of nowhere, which would kind of explain why his agent has expressed his willingness to play for another NHL team's uh, AHL affiliate. Um, but that'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, two, we've had two games since, um, since we last talked to you and, and <laughs> when we talk about this with Maddie, of course, but the Chicago Blackhawks game, you know, they're up three, one, uh, late in the third period, Dawson Mercer takes an unfortunate four minute, uh, double minor for high sticking, which obviously wasn't on purpose, but the guy was bleeding. You got to call it, um, Blackhawks tie it up, and every single person that's a fan of the Devils that covers the Devils was thinking Winnipeg Jets all over again. Yep, here we go. Yeah, I mean, you you just kick the disappointment can down the road though, because then you've got Jack Hughes scoring an amazing goal early into overtime to win the game. You go into game two, Jack Hughes falls on his shoulder and he's out. So, you know, I feel like our emotions as Devils fans are always kept in check a bit. Uh, well, and then look last night. We were up, what, 3-1? And then they scored, and you're like, oh, Jesus, here we go again. Not Thank even God. when they scored. As soon as the, the Devils went down 5, 
uh, five on three, I, I turned to my buddy and I was like, "No, I'm talking about the first one where they scored and it was disallowed because of the offsides." Oh yeah, that was yeah. early on in the game. I was like, "Oh, here we go!" Yeah. Like here we go. Yeah, and, I, I... and then yes, and then they made it three two, and I was I made obviously you can look at my Twitter. It's pretty well known. I'm not a big fan of Elaine Nazardine, but I said I wouldn't say anything bad about him until 2022 if they if they didn't give up a a goal at the end of the game there, which uh, they didn't. So thankfully. So you're off the hook till 2023, uh, 2022, Elaine. Well, I remember as soon as they scored that second goal, I just looked at my wife and I said, why are we not allowed to be happy? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. But, hey, two games in a row, they got the W, they held on, they didn't get, you know, it's not like they're giving up points to division rivals. These are, you know, Western Conference teams they don't have to compete with to make the playoffs. So uh, all in all, I mean, it's a resounding success. Um, and and one thing you really like to see from that game last night is when <clears throat> the game was on the line and you have this penalty kill at the end and five on four and then five on three and five on four, obviously. Dawson Mercer was out there killing those penalties. Yep. That's not something you see a 19-year-old kid doing unless the coach is really confident in him. And... He did it earlier in the game too. I think it was a VC that took a penalty. No, or Zaka. Zaka. Zaka, Zaka took a penalty. Yeah, yeah. And they had Mercer out in his spot on the penalty kill. And I guess they like what they saw because they had him out at the end of the game as well. Um, in a huge spot to have a kid like that playing. And, and you know, Graves and, and Hamilton are just, you know, exactly, exactly what we've needed for a while to have guys in that top pairing that belong in that top pairing. Yeah, and um, Siegenthaler, you know, you can't. I, I, when they traded for him, I was, meh. I was kind of meh about it. <laughs> but he's he, on the penalty kill. The guy's the guy's a monster. The last two games, he's been very good. Uh, Colton White, who unfortunately is going to be losing his job to Ty Smith, uh, and that's not to say anything bad about Colton White. It's just Ty Smith is is the future top defender on this team. So um, he's played I great. The last called the last. You week. did, you did, and he had, a, he had an assist, and he played very well last night. Damon Severson, his first game of the season, uh, he's got an A on his jersey, he scores a goal, he steps up for his teammates, and he sticks up for, you know, after the Jack Hughes situation, he was getting a little physical, and, and I loved what I saw from him. I'll um, say, most of his good plays were on the offensive zone, and it gives me these flashbacks of, like, people joking on Twitter, but, like, he could actually probably be a really effective forward. He probably could be. Because, um, I mean, he scored the goal he scored, he was down in front of the net. He had another play where he was in front of the net where he almost scored. And I'm I'm somewhat of a and I always talk about this. I'm a, I'm a big traditionalist where if it was up to me, the defensive group would be made a made up of left hand right hand, which we have now, but one stay at home defenseman paired with one offensive defenseman. And I think a lot of Damon Severson's criticism comes from his lack of being paired with a steady, reliable stay home defenseman. So. You enjoy his offense. He constantly puts up points, but his defensive mistakes are glaring because he's got nobody to cover for him. So I don't think Ty Smith is going to be that person either because he's an offensive defenseman. But like this, this defensive group that we have right now is just is great. And I mean, honestly, if Siegenthaler keeps playing the way he's playing, I wouldn't even mind having him paired with Smith and having Severson paired with PK. Two right. I mean, uh... we're gonna have to fight over this. All right, so then fine. Have Smith and PK. I don't. I don't want yep, Smith and PK. It's tough. That's uh, tough. I don't want Smith and PK. No offense, and I'm sure PK is not going to listen to this. But he was as bad as I've seen him play in game one. 
both ends of the ice was atrocious. Last night, at least he didn't do anything that cost the team a goal. He was solid defensively, offensively, whatever. We won the game. It didn't really make a difference. And and if he's just going to play solid defensively, I'll take that 10 out of 10 times. I've always had Siegenthaler with PK, but before the season started, <laughs> I was I was thinking Smith with uh, Hamilton and Graves with Severson. But uh, just the way it worked out in preseason, plus uh, Ty and Damon getting hurt, that Graves-Hamilton pairing is going nowhere, and they're no, awesome. They shouldn't. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's throw it over to Maddie. It was very nice of... Uh, Mr. Lachlan has spent some time with us today before uh, Devil's Practice. And, uh, yeah, in- enjoy that interview. And we are pleased this morning to be joined by the radio voice of the New Jersey Devils, Matt Lachlan. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing well, uh, guys. Thanks so much for the invite. Oh, of course. Anytime. It's great to talk to you. Um, and you've been doing this for, for 15 years. You were named the radio voice in 2006. Yeah, it's been a long time. It's it's pretty funny. I, you know, I'd started covering the Devils on the TV side of things. And while I started, you know, basically in the Herb Brooks era, I was filling in for Stan Fischler. Uh, you know, I started full time in the 97, 98 season. And uh, it's actually uh, 98, 99. Uh, so I've been doing radio, you know, longer than I've been doing TV. So I, I don't know where the time has gone. It's been a blast. What's mostly exciting is that it looks like the team is getting back to where they were when I was covering them on the TV side, which is an elite team. I know there's more steps to be taken, but it's exciting to see this club get back to where it once belonged. Well, and you mentioned uh, Stan Fischler, and, and there's something that we really wanted to ask you. It's very important. Um, where is Chuck the Duck? Is he okay? Has he made it through the pandemic uh, healthy? Yeah, well, of course, uh, Chuck the Duck was part of Matt and the Maven, and then we transitioned to Lucky Duck, who didn't quite have the same resonance as Chuck. But what we did many years ago, uh, Madison Square Garden has something called the Garden of Dreams Foundation, and they raise money for programs that that the garden supports, uh, youth programs. And so we auctioned Chuck off. And I couldn't believe the amount of money we got. It was, <laughs> it, it was over five figures, which is just absolutely ludicrous wow. when you think about it. I mean, he was he was a duck, you know, he, he was a <laughs> doll, basically stuffed animal. At any rate, uh, so from what I understand, uh, at the time, he definitely went to a good home. Devils fan who loved the whole shtick and all that sort of stuff. Uh, don't know what's happened, say, over the last 10 years or so, but we trust that wherever he is, Chuck is enjoying devil's hockey. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we we try to do, you know, a little bit of, um, you know, checking up and, and things before we do, just so we have some background things. And I noticed that you are a graduate of Seton Hall University. Yeah. I went, to, I went there in 2001 to 2003 or so, um, back when we actually had a I guess you could say a decent basketball team is when Eddie Griffin and Andre Barrett and Ty Shine and all them were there. Um, I guess things didn't really pan out the way they wanted to back then because all the hype that when they came in. But uh, so I, are you still doing I know you do a podcast. Is that kind of just because the season's kind of not going right now or are you still doing that next season? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I had stopped it. It's called Pirate Talks. And thanks uh, for mentioning it. Uh, and I stopped it at the end of the basketball season last year. 
and I will resume it as the season is about to begin. Um, you know, I, I had hoped when I started it, and I and I and I hope that it eventually bears fruit this way that that I would be able to do it year round because there's always interest, whether it's in basketball, which is what the program focuses on, or Seton Hall athletics in general. And, you know, I've got enough contacts and there are enough people who have made their mark at Seton Hall doing things uh, now either professionally or, you know, they're in the everyday ranks, but certainly they're well remembered. And um, I I hope to get it to that point. But just the way things transpired, uh, it's now kind of become just a seasonal thing. But I I think there's I think there's, uh, you know, a heartbeat there. For the yeah, show, for sure, um, for sure, I'd love to listen to it. I listened to a well, couple episodes. I kind of went back and listened to it, and I appreciate that. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, um, and I had hoped actually to get it started a little bit sooner than this. But honestly, even though you know when the hockey season is starting, there's no doubt about it. It's <laughs> on the calendar. You know when, you know the rookies are reporting, and you know when camp starts and all that sort of stuff it it once it does begin once we hit that mark man it is incredibly busy and you've got to go from zero to 100 very quickly but now that we're in the flow of a season even though it's early on it'll be easier for me to kind of focus on something else now because you get into a routine during the season that preseason doesn't really allow you to yeah well well and you also have uh Rutgers football and you do a podcast with them too, the RU review podcast. And um, I know the, the, the result against Northwestern was disappointing and that's a team that they probably should be beating, but um, unless it's just a matter of time and recruiting over time, how, how close do you think they are with starting to compete with some of the better teams in the big 10? Yeah, it's a great question, uh, Andrew. And I think it's still another couple of years. I think that Shiano, Greg Shiano, the coach, has done a marvelous job recruiting uh, by all measure. They have been able to increase the quality of the player that they bring in, but it does take time. And he's doing things, even though the transfer portal has opened up the door to players coming into the program and he's gotten those. But he's basically doing this with a lot of Chris Ash's players. And quite frankly, they're not high level big 10 caliber players. And I give them all the credit in the world for doing what they do, but Shiano needs to get a bigger, faster, stronger team. He's recruited that way, but it'll take a while between red shirts and just youth. You know, he hasn't been able to get his lineup out there. Although I would have to say this has been disappointing, not the three losses that led up to the Northwestern loss. I mean, let's face it. They were playing three, very, very good teams, and anyone who is expecting a victory, uh, you, you want it as a fan, uh, but anyone expecting a victory probably was asking too much when you consider it's so Michigan, Ohio State, then Michigan State, which is having a very good year. Uh, but Northwestern was a game where they just looked out of sync, and maybe it was three straight high-level games, some injuries that are piling up that resulted in that effort. It started 11 o'clock in Evanston. I mean, that's a terrible time, but it works to Northwestern's favor. Listen, it was the same start for the Wildcats. I'm not making excuses. It was a horrible performance. But that being said, yeah, I think that better days are on the horizon. I don't know that Rutgers can ever rise to the level of the Michigans and the Ohio States and the Penn States. The East is a tough division. So I don't know if they're ever going to win the division or once in a while. 
and whether or not they'll have a chance for the Big Ten championship. It's going to be rare. But what they can do is be competitive. They've poured resources into the program. I think Greg is a great recruiter. Not 100% sure about his game day decisions, but you're usually one or the other. And if you've got great players or better players, it generally shows in the results on the field. So I think he's doing a critical job there. And I think ultimately it will show, but it's a beast of a league. It's a beast of a division. And the results may not be there as quickly as some of the alums would like it. Yeah, I was just not sure if that's really ever going to happen, like you mentioned, with you know, competing with Ohio State. And I just wonder um, if it's really broadcast rights and revenue and, and stuff that moves them into the Big Ten, because um, that move really solidified that they're not going to be a successful program for a decent amount of time. It's going to be a while, but I think that Rutgers, and I'm not here to defend Rutgers. It's funny for a Seton Hall guy to be talking about Rutgers. Because <laughs> yeah, right. Rivalry, but I'm able to. Well, we don't. We don't it. have a. We don't have a football team, so it's the next closest. Exactly. Thing, right? So I'm able to separate that. I don't think you would find me if Seton Hall had a football team that was playing uh, on that level. I, I don't think I'd be doing a Rutgers football podcast. But nonetheless, the uh, the entry into the Big Ten on the football side will not pay dividends for a while. And the fact of the matter is Rutgers has gone into debt and they're borrowing money to raise their facility level and their commitment level. And, you know, they're not going to get a full payoff on the TV network for a little bit. And until they have success on the football field, revenue from that program will be down. That being said, it has done wonders, I think, for the basketball program. If you look at their Olympic sports, they're starting to do some really good things on that level. And I realize that football is the tail that wags the dog. But the fact of the matter is, I think ultimately it will pay off for Rutgers. But again, football is just never going to be the giant that those other schools are. And unless there's a switch in divisions or there's a switch in uh, how they schedule teams, you know, Rutgers is going to have a difficult time getting to the top in the East. But I think that they can be a steady eight win, nine win team, they could be like Northwestern, right? I mean, they can be a program that was a doormat forever. Pat Fitzgerald's done a fantastic job team that will, you know, kind of have that roller coaster ride where they'll be really, really good for a couple of years. Then they have to retrench a little bit. They'll never drop fully off uh, the landscape, although Northwestern is not having a good year this year. Uh, But Rutgers should be able to get into a bowl game every year. I think that that's, that's certainly a doable goal and, and be a very competitive team, you know, every five years, six years, like a team that really people talk about. So uh, with, with one, uh, let's say underachieving uh, New Jersey uh, franchise for lack of a better term, we can talk about another one, the devils now. Um, <laughs> previously so, under, previously but I think we're on the right path. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, we're two we're two games in. Um, some good, some some not so good. Obviously, the first game kind of blew lately there, which is kind of brought back a little PTSD for a lot of fans, and I'm sure the players. Uh, thank for me in the booth. To... I, I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. I didn't say it though, but in my head, Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so what what have you liked so far about the first two games? I mean, there's obviously a lot to like with you know Dougie and and my. The biggest surprise for me so far, not that I should be surprised, has been Graves. I mean, he's been outstanding. He's plus seven after two games. He looks unbelievable out there. 
Um, what, what do you think? What do you think is your, your biggest surprise so far? Yeah, well, I like the way they're, they're able to play. Now, as we record this, we're still waiting to hear uh, the situation involving Jack Hughes, who got hurt uh, in the game against Seattle, as you guys know. And uh, he's a critical component to the team's success. And hopefully it's a short-term thing. Uh, Lindy Ruff did say it was day-to-day. We'll see. Uh, we'll find out more when we go to practice today. And certainly by the end of the week, we'll have a clearer vision because there's still maybe some exams that have to take place, et cetera, et cetera. That being said, I, I like the way that he's been able to get this team playing in an attacking mode. Uh, I think they've been aggressive. They've been fun to see, blowing the lead, no fun, but certainly exciting. Last night was an exciting game two against Seattle, even though they got off to that quick start. You thought, hey, they're going to steamroll this team. And there were some anxious moments as Seattle rallied. But, you know, I think the fans got a pretty good uh, hour uh, in terms of playing time uh, of entertainment, you know, two plus hours in the arena. So I, I, I've liked the way they've played. I've, I've liked the play of that top line. Uh, and I will call that the Heischer line. Uh, they're skating. Uh, they're putting up some points, not a lot, but I think that will come. I just like the way they look. Uh, there are players that need to get going. Sharon Govich is one that immediately comes to mind. I like the development of, of Michael McLeod. I think he's really coming into his own. But you pointed out the defense, and that's the big change. I mean, Dougie Hamilton is a legit number one. Uh, with all due respect, Chico was saying this on the postgame show last night, Um Damon Severson had been serving in that role, and Damon is not a number one defenseman. I think he's found the perfect role playing on that second pair. Dougie Hamilton is a legit number one. So I, I like the way he plays. I, I like the way he thinks. He's involved. He's good. He can, as we saw on his first shot, he'll be able to help the <laughs> offense. And, and Ryan Graves is underrated. Look, you know, I don't know that he's going to be fitted for a Hall of Fame ring, right? That's not the player he projects to be. But on that first goal, and how many times you guys are fans, on that first goal against Seattle, a pass out of his own, right onto Thomas stick in stride, and then sauce pass to Mercer Dawson for his first NHL goal. Yeah, and I, I said it last night. I think that pass was actually more impressive than Tatar's pass. Just he got his head up, looked up, put it right on the tape, which is something we have not seen in New Jersey in a while from our defense. Bingo. And that's what I was going to ask. How many times in previous years, the last five years, did potential plays get bollocksed because of a bad pass and we were pinned in our own end and guys were – uh, out there for long shifts and the top line couldn't get going, but because it was a long shift, they had to come off quickly and it just was out of sync. That was an example of, of, of what the devils now have because Hamilton can put it on the tape as well. So uh, I think those two players, but Hamilton in particular ha have been terrific and, you know, kudos to Jonathan Bernier, you know, you might look at a safe percentage and go at, ah, but in the second period against Chicago, he kept the Devils in the game. And whenever Mackenzie Blackwood comes back, and hopefully it'll be within the next week or so, the Devils should have a pretty good tandem there. Yeah, and like I've said all along, you know, even when the – and you obviously don't know this, but I, I was so sure that Dougie Hamilton was not going to sign with the Devils that I made someone a stupid bet that I'd get his number tattooed on my leg if he did. <laughs> and now now I have a number seven tattooed on my leg. Love um, it. <laughs> um, but – 
like like I said, it, like you said also, it's it's that thing where you need guys to fit in the right slot in the lineup, and and I think we had guys for too long playing above where they need where they should be and getting the ice time they didn't need to be getting. So like you said about Severson, you know, like PK is not a top line defenseman anymore either. Um, and I've been really impressed with Siegenthaler, especially on the penalty kill. He's just been out there. Yeah, I feel like every time he's on the penalty kill, you look and he's out there on the ice and he's just solid and he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. And I, I, I heard, I heard that about him, but I didn't really see it last year. And maybe it was just a kind of, kind of a weird year, but uh, I like what I'm seeing out of him also. Uh, I, I agree. And, you know, when he came to New Jersey, you know, and talking to some of the guys in Washington who saw him a little more regularly, it's, it's not like he was a 10 year vet, but they were all like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe we gave him up, but he just, you know, for whatever reason, with what Washington is trying to accomplish and, and trying to keep that window open a little longer, maybe they just didn't want to wait for a younger guy to develop. That being said, listen, it was a strange year last year from so many standpoints, COVID being the number one obvious situation. But here he comes, not having played. He gets thrown into the fire. And, I mean, listen, it, it, it was a dumpster fire at times for the Devils last year. We know that circumstances dictated that. And when he joined the team, it was maybe at its worst with injuries and then the trades that were made. And the team became very young and they were they were fielding a club that was subpar. And I think about the four-game sweep by the Rangers epitomizing that. And so I think the image we all had of Siegenthaler is like, what do the Devils really have in him? But he was challenged in his exit meetings to get in better shape how could you be in great shape when you hardly played, but to get into better shape, I think he saw that he had to, if he wanted to play a prominent role on this team. And I, I think he will, uh, he's been, he's been terrific. It's a two game sample, but it's a night and day image that we're seeing from what we saw last year. And uh, I like his physicality. Uh, I, I like the big hit he made on Morgan yeah. Geeky. Begging for that. I was begging for someone to hit somebody because you could just see Seattle running all over the ice, hitting everything. And I was like, someone needs to just hit somebody. And he sure did. Yeah. I mean, he did. And the devils have some players who will do that. And while they'll not be the most physical team in the league, they're certainly more physical than they were last year. And then that becomes contagious. I mean, we saw Michael, McLeod get into a fight last night. We kind of saw it once in a while. You light his fuse. It kind of goes off pretty quickly. We've seen him drop the gloves before. So there was a little edge to last night's game. Three fights. I loved it. I'm, I'm a guy who thinks there's room for fighting in the game still. And I thought it was a terrific response on, on the devil's part uh, to, you know, to the hit on Jackie's. I mean, I don't necessarily like the fight off of that per se, because I thought it was a clean hit. Just unfortunately, one of the devil stars got hurt, but nonetheless, there was a response and uh, I loved it. And so I think that's a difference for the devils this year. And the, and the crowd was also really responding to it last night. Like I, I was expecting in years past, you know, you have a home opener that's sold out and then typically game two on a Tuesday, Wednesday is, you know, 12, 13,000 and, um, but the building was full last night and partially because of the pace of the game. I mean, the crowd was, was great and I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing at the arena so far. Yeah. I think that, uh, the first two games have been terrific from that standpoint. I think there are a couple of factors. One, it was Seattle. There probably was a little bit of a curiosity factor, but also I, I think you guys are fans. Uh, I know in speaking with fellow fans, 
this is what the team's fan base has been waiting for for quite some time now. Look, I, I think it, we, we can be all honest now and, and say, well, okay, so 2012 was the last Stanley Cup final, and then they went the one year in the playoffs, which was brilliant, led by Taylor Hall. But there were two different eras. It was kicking the can down the road, trying to keep that window open, doing it with veterans and free agents that just didn't work. And it took a, a you know a collapse, really, to the bottom of the standings, if not literally, but figuratively, and then developing through the draft and seeing those players mature. So, but even then, we were still talking about, okay, Nico and Jack and Jesper Bratt showed surprise and Damon Severson. It just takes time. But now... I think the promise of the last couple of years can pay off this year. May not be a playoff spot, but fans have been waiting for this, right? They just want to have this team to cheer for. And I think we're on that trajectory that we could have a long, exciting run, you know, unless something unforeseen happens. So I think there's been a pent up excitement that now that they've seen this team, there's a sense that, you know what, I can spend my hard earned money and I'm going to have a good night at the rink. And you talk about the draft. We talked about Mercer's first goal last night. And um, so the other guy I want to ask you about is Alex Holtz. Um, I I know a lot of fans wanted to see him stick on the team. I kind of understand why he didn't. But after his performance against Rochester the other night, how and and if he keeps playing like that, how long can they realistically keep him in Utica? Well, you know, Andrew, if he continues to perform the way he did in the first game, he won't be down there for very long. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Jack's injury. You know, they can kind of patch the lineup together in that center spot for a short period of time. But if it's a long-term injury, you know, they're going to have to shuffle some guys around and maybe they move Zaka back to the center and there's a, there's a winger spot open. Alex Holtz is a terrific talent. There's no question about it. He's got something you can't buy in the grocery store. That shot is lethal. His hands on that first goal, in the game against Rochester. I mean, it's just a sick display. So he's got those. I still think there's a learning curve, and I think he'll be better served if he stays in the AHL, maybe not the whole year, but for several more games. Get used to it. Develop other parts of your game. But he's he's the real deal, and, and he'll, eventually, he'll eventually be up. I don't know how much longer they can keep him down there. It does depend, as I said, about the injury situation. And it also depends on the team's success, right? If a couple of guys start to drop off. But if they all can hold their own in the lineup, injuries notwithstanding, I think he'll be down there for a while. But ultimately, you know, he's going to be a devil. There's no question about it. And we're excited about that one-timer. Uh, it's just laser-like. Uh, and again, the other parts of his game will come. Let him learn them. Three months down in the AHL is not going to kill him. That's for sure. Now, when he comes up, is there any truth or is a rumor going around that you were going to actually show him some dance moves about like maybe <laughs> celebration? Because I was looking at an article from the offseason and I see a little video here. You're doing like a street dance party. And <laughs> I, I happen to leave the article up and it just keeps every time I click on it, I see you dancing like in a Man, no, nothing disappears uh, from <laughs> the Internet world. Yeah. So uh, that was taken. <laughs> that video was done back in the early stages, early, early stages of COVID uh, a couple of months in. And, you know, everyone had a little bit of cabin fever. And so we had this neighborhood get together and you look at it we were probably separated by 20 feet never mind six feet but we started to play some music and 
Yeah, I, I, I start to <laughs> break out some of my moves. And that would have stayed, honestly, just within our neighborhood group. But the company started to do uh, some profiles, of, you know, just to kind of keep people engaged and interested and, you know, attached uh, during COVID. And uh, I was one of the people they profiled. So I said, ah, sure, what the heck? You know, what are some of the things I do? Well, you know, I do garden and I cook and blah, blah, blah with my family. But then I, I, I showed that that side. And so uh, I don't regret it. I did it. That's <laughs> that's the way it goes. But uh, it's all uh, it's all good. But yeah, uh, I don't know if you'll I don't know if you'll listen or and look and learn. But hey, what the heck? If it's, hey, if it's the team, I'm all in. Listen, at least you guys did a dance party. We were doing uh, sitting. My neighbors were all sitting on the street drinking. So playing cornhole, <laughs> cornhole there, from one side of the street to action, the other. No doubt. Well, and it sounds like, by the way, you responded to Ricky's question. You might not want that video on the Internet anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all good. It, it, it's all good. All right. Um, and, and you mentioned the things you're doing with your family in the garden and everything. And um, did you continue that over this summer? And how'd that go? Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, I do love I love to garden. Uh, and in fact, there's still a few veggies that have to be harvested. I know we're getting near the end of the season, but I, I still have some eggplant that are hanging in there as the warm weather has continued. Got just a couple of tomatoes left, some hot peppers. Uh, and now I'm looking for the, you know, the, the short season crops. You know, if, if you guys have gardens, you know, for those uh, who are listening who don't, or you guys, if you don't, there are certain crops that will grow very quickly, but they don't do well in the, the heat of the summer. So like spinach and lettuce and radishes and things like that. So you kind of grow them in the spring and or the fall. So I'm waiting for that fall crop to come up. And anyway, so yeah, I love it. It's very relaxing. Uh, I love being out in nature, love to hike. I, I, you know, I, I love to golf. I just like being out there. And so being in the garden is very peaceful. And yeah, we had it going again this year and good Lord willing, we'll be out there again next year. My, my wife that? has made me clear land on more than one occasion and plant stuff. And then she does this. Oh, I forgot to water it. Oh, I forgot to water <laughs> it. And then they're dead. A <laughs> couple of, you know, things you need to do. There are a couple of basics, no question, but I would uh, continue to encourage her. Uh, and, you know, the next year will be it, but I do love it. You know, I think it's kind of a little bit like fishing, right? Like you spend all this money on fishing gear and, you know, whatever your catch is, you know, mostly catch and release. But, you know, if you keep some, you're out in the ocean, uh, you spend an awful lot of money. It's a lot cheaper just to buy it at the local fish store. It's kind of the same thing with vegetables, but I just love the whole thing, man. I just love the whole start to finish. And uh, it's, it's awesome. It's very relaxing. So, Tell her to keep trying. And once in a while, maybe you get out there in water as well. Nice. Yeah, you could do it too. And, and Matt, you're right about uh, about fishing. I've got my fishing license. It's something I do a lot. But um, yeah, one of the best examples, just this summer, I went down to, um, uh, what was it? The uh, the inlet in Point Pleasant, uh, uh -huh. Manasquan Inlet, trying to get some striped bass and uh, spent a couple hours out there, not even a bite. And it just went, ended up going to the supermarket, buying a salmon <laughs> filet for dinner. So um, it is true. But as you know, uh, Andrew, it, it's called fishing, not not catching. You got right. to to fish and bring them in. Um, and, uh, you no, know, I I, listen, I'm not a big time fisherman. I don't want to mislead anybody. I, I do get out a couple of times a year. But, um, you know, I find that relaxing too. listen, it's frustrating. 
man, you're out, right? If the weather's nice, you're down by the water or you're out in a boat and you just, you know, man, it's just awesome. So, uh, yeah, it's more exciting to catch a few that you can keep, but uh, I like being out there too. Yeah, it's usually a, a nice day out outside anyway. Um, I, I thank you so much for giving us your time. I know you got to get to practice soon. Yeah, um, exactly. So I just wanted to finish up with one question for, for the Devils fans. I just want to know the overall picture, and, and Ricky's going to ask that to you. So I know we talked about it, but in, in a, let's say, a perfect world, what has to happen for the Devils to be a playoff team this season? I don't know if it has to be all that perfect. I think it'll be a challenge. Um, I'm not really sure if we know exactly what the division will be, right? We're still shaking things out. But I think if they maintain good health, and you know, the first, we had a couple of dings early, but Severson's back and Ty Smith should be back soon. And, you know, McKenzie and, and Miles Wood following in short order. But then Jack Hughes gets hurt. So you can't control that. But if they get good health, I think this team will be significantly improved from last year and will be battling for a playoff position. And maybe most importantly, will show the fans and show themselves that they are ready to take off, that it was not just a marketing campaign. There's real talent here. And as Alex Holtz comes into the lineup, as Dawson Mercer gets better, as uh, Mukhamadoulin, you know, who knows what he's like, but as he continues to develop and hopefully comes over and adds and, and, you know, Dougie Hamilton made New Jersey a destination now for a free agent. I mean, he hitched himself to this wagon, not just because of the money, let's not discount that, but <laughs> he felt that there's a chance to win here. Uh, otherwise he would have signed with a club that maybe had in his mind a better chance. And so that should help other free agents see that, you know, New Jersey is not just a way station to come in, try to pick up a couple of points and move on. So I think there's a lot of good things that will come out of this year. I don't think it has to be a perfect world. Health will be it. Normal development of these players and maybe a decline that we don't see right now. Everyone's talking Pittsburgh will fall off. I'm not sure. Mike Sullivan's great. Washington, an older club, that might happen. Uh, you know, who knows where the playoff spot might come in. But I think it's possible this year likely if not guaranteed next year and beyond. So I, I think they're awfully close. And I think at the end of this year, when the last game is played, whether it's a playoff game or just the last game played at the rock and, and, and fans walk out of the building, uh, people will say, I can't wait for the season start. Uh, and I can't wait for my ticket renewal <laughs> form to come in because I'm all on board. I think, I honestly think that will happen. There's been a lot of promise. I think the payoff is awfully close. It's very soon, and, and all I can hope for is just meaningful hockey in March. Um, yep. And, 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 not, and not, you know what, and not the sales job that we all do, and I'm as guilty of it uh, as anyone, which is, oh, okay, well, they've only got five teams to climb over, but they're only nine points out. Well, yeah, <laughs> you might as well be 100 points out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Almost yeah. impossible to make that move in the last 15 games of the season, right? We don't want that kind of in the mix we want real in the mix in march for sure absolutely and you have to do that as a broadcaster anyway so yeah. everybody understands you can't say and the devils are down two nothing and this sucks um <laughs> but, uh, you ever go to a restaurant do you ever go to a restaurant where the maitre d says what are you doing here of course not. 
<laughs> yeah, of course might not. not lead you to the steak. He'll say, try the veal or the fish is great. But, you know, that, honestly, you know, and fans are tuning in for a reason. They understand the circumstances, but they want to be entertained. So, you know, we try to do that. I get your point. You're, you aren't being critical, but that's what we do, right? You try to sell hope. But I think there's real hope coming up. No doubt about it. Well, that's great to hear. And I think everybody shares that excitement. And and I want to thank you again for spending time with us and talking to us about the devils and everything else you have going on and uh, really appreciate it. Well, it's my pleasure, Andrew and Ricky. Thanks so much for the invite. Looking forward to, to coming on again. You know, there's an open invite uh, or at least there's an opening uh, for me. If you want to invite me back, you know, we'll work something out. Sounds great. You, uh, talk to you soon. Thanks again. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. Have a great day, fellas. You too. You too. Thank you again to Matt Lachlan for coming on to talk to us. Uh, we hope to have him on again and, uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't be a nicer guy. Um, yeah, we really appreciate him taking his time. I mean, it's a practice day that he's on his way to practice. He carved out some time for us. I mean, he really didn't have to do that. So we really do appreciate it. Absolutely. And, and that's where we're going to cut it off this week for this episode. Uh, the devils have the capitals tomorrow, the Sabres on Saturday, and uh, the Flames on Tuesday will probably catch you again after the Flames game. Um, so hopefully by flame game. the what the flame, the flame just game. play the Flame game. Um, so hopefully by then we've got some better news on Jack Hughes that he's not out for too long, and and hopefully uh, I'm not I'm certainly not going to assume that the Devils are going to beat the Capitals, but I'm I'm hoping we're talking about at least two more wins with uh, Buffalo and, and Calgary by the next time we talk to you. And the return of Blake Coleman. Team the Jersey. return of Blake Coleman, possibly the return of uh, Ty Smith to the Devils lineup. Uh, not sure about uh, Miles Wood, Mackenzie Blackwood yet, but we're in good hands with uh, Jonathan Bernier. He's been excellent. I know our, our guest from last week, Christy, will be happy to have Blake Coleman back in attendance because she's his biggest fan. So she does. Uh, love it'd Blake be nice Coleman. to have him back. Yeah, it'd be nice to have him back. I mean, he's you know he's one of these players that was split. You know, when they traded him, why do you trade him? I, I get it. Um, but you know, he's, he's a great, he's a really good player and he would have fit perfectly on this team. But, and, and I think from what we've read, the devils were in on bringing him back. It just, you know, didn't work out, but whatever. Well, he's an excellent hockey player and he's a handsome <laughs> man. So he sure is. <clears throat> Everybody have a great rest of the week. We'll catch you next week. And thanks for listening. Thank you.